0: restaurants unstoppable episode 312
1: the real secret is not that our negroni is going to be the best negroni on the street or in downtown manhattan and that's the reason why people will come back you know that's kind of very childish to believe that your products will differentiate you no matter what you do It is the human factor that will differentiate you. So we first done this very unconsciously and then slowly I started studying this whole thing. And I understood that people come and return to us because we found a way how to approve of them. And we taught it to our staff as well.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it Alone. Nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantsowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Dushan Zarek. Dushan, my man. You got to tell me, do you feel unstoppable today?
1: Oh, I absolutely do.
0: Oh, yes, sir. All right. So real quick shout out to Bobby Burns for uh, making this recommendation and helping me connect with Dushin. Uh, So happy to have you here. So real quick, after arriving in New York with a a degree from the, the University of Belgrade, Dushin landed a job as a doorman in New York. But this was only in the beginning. Uh, He found his passion for developing innovative cocktails while working behind the bar and has since established himself as one of the industry's most celebrated advisors and mentors. In 2012, he was listed as one of Forbes' top 50 tastemakers and co-founded the 86 Co. In 2014, he was awarded the best bar mentor at Tales of the Cocktail. and uh, He's also a notable author, entrepreneur, influencer, and he continues to serve the industry and inspire new generations of bartenders as co-owner of Employees Only located in New York City. All right. So, Dushan, I just basically scraped the surface. I can't wait to learn more about you. But before we do that, how can we get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra? What do you got for us?
1: Well, you know, I I focus a lot of my uh, teachings uh to the um, aspiring bartenders and, and servers by sharing what it what what you can do to yourself to uh help yourself not get upset while you work and for me this is the key right remembering why you are there so i share with them a contentment mantra and we'll go more into that later I hope, but um, the contentment mantra goes like this, and I've stolen it. It's not mine, right? I've stolen it from a Buddhist teacher called Lama Marut, um, and like with everything in 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 life, all the good ideas are pretty much stolen or modified from somebody else. So, so so is my contentment mantra, and my contentment mantra goes like this: It is like this now. It is like this now. So it's a complete hands off. Kind of surrender into the moment. Uh, can you live right now in this moment without trying to fix the situation into what you would like it to be? And for me, that brings me right back to where I am, to the reasons, what I'm, why I'm here, what I'm doing, and it brings me, you know, it remembers myself, puts parts of myself back together. Man,
0: I love it. That's so powerful. I feel like we get so caught up in our minds trying to. Just influence the situation and control the situation. But we are in that moment. We need to not change the situation, but like adapt to it and mentally and just accept that that's the moment we're in and make the most of the moment. I love it, man. Awesome stuff. So, uh, why don't we just kind of go back in time? Tell us a little bit more about um, how you got into this industry and, uh, you know, when you really started to, you know, commit to a life of hospitality.
1: Well, for me, it was, um, you know, it was kind of an accidental thing. I never, uh, you know, I wanted to work for the NASA space program. That was kind of my big dream. You know, I grew up in the 70s. I was born 1970. So, you know, I remember watching the last Apollo landing. I was five years old and, you know, watching the uh, black and white kind of grainy pictures of, of the astronauts. Um you know, humping away on the moon over there. and i was I was like, "This is what I wanted to do, right? and and then so, um that was kind of like I always had the scientific mind. I always wanted to to understand the causes and effects of things and 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 nature, right? And then, then you know, my uncle took me to see Deep Purple when I was six years old, and and then you know that was another big influence, you know, on me it was rock and roll and that whole like rock and roll lifestyle. So, um, you know, uh, I basically when I when we when I moved to the states and that was in, in mid nineties, um, really NASA was going through severe. Budget cuts and they were laying off people, and I there was nobody like nobody really wanted to talk to me. Okay. So I I focused on 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 hospitality because you know during during studies and in, in college I was you know in summer months I would you know go to Greece and the Greek islands and where pretty much a lot of European bartenders have started <laughs> in the nineties. And uh, you know, I would just open beers and serve tequila shots, and then you know, uh, have a lot of fun doing that, and basically sustain myself like that. And I always found it very attractive to be to be behind the bar. It it, it seemed to me like you are somehow in control of. You know the people who are drinking in front of the bar you were the responsible one in a sense you are the one directing the flow of energy you know at, at that time it was very unconscious uh what i was doing and what i was feeling i only brought light to it later down in my career when i started really understanding uh human nature and human beings uh more but in the beginning there was just this attraction to you know just be the center of attention and, um, that, that was basically what fed me. Um, when I moved to New York, uh, I was already in my mid twenties, you know, to start from the, like my generation was already, you know, ahead of me, you know, a lot. So I started like every other Serbian who comes to the States or to the big cities in New York. I, my first job was moving people, <laughs> you know, Uh I was strong, I had pretty good muscles, I could haul, you know, heavy furniture around all day long, so that was what kept me uh, fed and watered for a little while, but then, you know, I met some Russian dudes, and then through them some not-so-good Russian dudes, and then some really bad Russian dudes, and they offered me a really lucrative job working the door at one of the strip clubs in Brighton Beach in Brooklyn. Okay. And so there I was wearing a tuxedo, uh, making $100 a night uh, from the house and $200 as tips from the strippers um, a night working the uh, well with rope. And my best guest, my best guests were, were, were the Hasidic Jews. They were super nice. They were tipping well and they would never touch the girls. They were just looking at them like in awe. And... Um, yeah, that was a pretty uh, interesting time. Um, you know, it definitely took took the fun away from strip clubs for life for me. <laughs> uh,
0: so, wh- h- what was the next step after uh, working the door at the strip club? Like, how did you really start getting into uh, bartending as a career? Like, when did that start to evolve for you?
1: Um, I had friends who were who were in the restaurants and in New York, and to me, they it seemed like. They are living the life. You know, they worked in Manhattan while I was working in Brooklyn. And so one night I went with my best friend, Serge, who came to New York a year before me. He was a drummer in my band. And he also was working some shit job. And so the the two of us, through a drug dealer we knew, a Serbian dude, got into Pravda, which was the hottest place in Manhattan at that time. They just opened. The line was going down the block Basically, if you were not a drug dealer or, or, a, or a celebrity, you couldn't get in. And so Serge and I, you know, got, got in through this guy. And we had just enough money to um, buy a round of beers and pay the tips. And so we were standing there, you know, drinking on our beer. And these awesome, hot women would approach us. And they were like, oh, and after two seconds, so what? What do you do? And we we're like, well, I move people, and and Serge would be like, well, I, um, you know, I work in this <laughs> warehouse in the fashion district, and they would be like, okay. Uh, I'll be right back, just have to say hi to my friend. So, you know, we understood that, you know, life in New York was, was a quite different level. And when I saw the bartenders behind that bar, I was blown away. These guys were the rock stars. They had all the attention. They were moving. They were turning into octopuses behind <laughs> that bar, like shaking drinks left and right. And And, you know, that was... That was something that I wanted to do, and and that night I I knew I want to be a bartender here at this bar, and and um, so I started working towards it. I got hired as a server first, and as a barback, at different places. I learned. I worked my way up. I became a bartender, bar manager, and eventually a year and a half after Pravda opened, I got a job at Pravda, and that was one of the happiest days in my life.
0: Oh man, so much. I want to take out of this just to kind of reflect on what you've shared with us. Um, you, well, I think first just having that vision, um, getting a goal, having a vision and working towards it, but being just definite and purposeful with everything you do. Like you knew that's where you wanted to be. And then you started acquiring the skills to get there. Um, talk to us about why that's so important, just having that vision.
1: Well, you can not bypass things, you know, like vision is important because it, it, it's, it's kind of the driving force, right? If you don't have a vision and, and the vision is not just mental, it's emotional and it's the emotional part that, that, that drives you towards it and, and it manifests, manifests the goal, um, if you will. So it's important to be turned on, I would say, especially when you're young. If you're not turned on, if you're jaded and you're in your 20s, fuck off you know like it's like you got to be turned on to do things that that really make you radiate and and shine and um for me that was that you know for me as a personality um, I understand it was, it was very important to be the center of attention, um, in those days yeah. and I fed off it and I wanted it. I craved it. I wanted, you know, all the, all the guys to high five me and all the girls to flirt with me for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that kind of rock star persona. And that was very much needed if you wanted to be a bartender in New York, you know? So, um, Having the vision is 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 really important because without it you can't get there. And then step by step, you know, you got to put in the work. Uh, A lot of people these days, especially young, you know, the demand for highly skilled bartenders is so so high that a lot of young bartenders get into the profession, and within a year or so of being a bartender or an apprentice somewhere already they think they can run programs and know best what needs to be done and debate <laughs> and tell and tell elders you know how things should be done you know yeah. and it's it's kind of like in our industry in our in like bartending like cooking is a craft yeah and you learn it from people who have done it before you mm. Yes, and um, you know this is a significant thing. You can't, you know, you can't bypass these these lessons. They're not only craft lessons, technique and execution lessons. They're also life lessons, and and you can't bypass them. Um, they it will come around to bite you in the butt if you if you try to do that.
0: I love what you're sharing with us right now. And I want to go deeper. You said something that really just resonated with me. And that's that, you know, vision is emotion. And you started sharing that, you know, the emotions, you kind of scrape the the surface with how it it was emotional for you with being the, the center of attention, making people happy, but really dive into what the emotions were for you. What was important to you in this vision emotionally? That's deep, man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, well, for me, it was, I mean, look, uh, it's, it's, it's a very specific kind of job. Mm. Um, you, it, it used to be <sighs> the only kind of job next to cab driving uh, until a few years ago where you could go to work broke and walk home with some cash in your pocket. So this already is a really great motivating factor for people who you know, who, who, you know, as as a foundation. But then, um, on top of that, it's how does your job make you feel? Mm. Um, see, in Europe, for me specifically, what was important was that, like in Europe, people look at the service in industry quite differently than what than how we do it. They look at, ser- at servers more as servants than as servers. I don't know if you understand this, or if you can, or if you can relate to this. Like, um, I had to explain to my father that I had a smile on my face while I was walking to work, and that's the reason why I was why why I was doing the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. I said, "Like, look, Dad. Yes, you, you know, you pushed me through through my education and, and 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 made it possible for me, but that's not what turns me on. That's not what makes me radiate." You know, that's not what brings the smile on my face, and um, I think that's the emotional thing. There, it's it's you know, yes, of course, expectations are difficult to bring into reality. We all know that, but. Like anticipating a good night and going to work and having actually a good night happen to you and walk home with some money and walk home with some appreciation for what you're doing and walk, walk home knowing that you have made somebody's life a little bit better that night, you know, no matter who it is, as a team member, as a guest, maybe even your manager or your owner. You you know it's 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 an it's a gratification you can't just get from money you know it's something that that makes at least made me feel like I'm making a difference.
0: Man, I'm loving this, and this is just to put emphasis. You know, I'm happy you went down this road. I wrote something down earlier. You said you know you you have this certain responsibility, or you feel this certain responsibility. And I was hoping you would go in this direction, and you did for the people on the other side of the bar. You know, yes. For, And you you said first, you know, it was having, like, being light and being the guy that everybody, you know, wants to be around and being, you know, that guy behind the bar who just, you know, is likable. But the best way to be likable is to care for other people. If you care for other people, then they start caring for you. And it sounds like you figured that out. Do you want to elaborate or go deeper on that?
1: Oh, for sure. See, um, we opened... With a, with, a, with, a, with a fellow, a few bartenders from Pravda that became my best friends, Jay Cosmas, Igor, Hajismilovic, uh, Henry Lafargue, uh, the four bartenders that worked there for years, we, we decided that the, the industry, is, especially since September 11 happened, that the nightlife in New York, the late nightlife, the, the, the after hours kind of thing, the after midnight thing, Died, especially downtown in in Manhattan. And we you know people who worked in the industry didn't have a place where you know where to go when their shifts were over to go and get a decent bite to eat and 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 a good drink. So we decided that time is right for us to open a place called Employees only, which will you know be kind of a, a secret name for re- industry employees only, right? And that uh, this would be a kind of a refuge for them and you know we a lot of things aligned you know we 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 got very successful because we did really primarily cater to our brothers and sisters from the industry but mostly we understood that everybody who walks through this door is a human being and that human beings have a very stressful existence especially especially now and that the the real secret is not that our Negroni is going to be the best Negroni on the street or in downtown Manhattan, and that's the reason why people will come back. You know, that's kind of very childish to believe that your products will differentiate you no matter what you do. It is the human factor um, that will differentiate you. So, we first done this very unconsciously, and then slowly I started studying this whole thing, and I understood. That people come and return to us because we found a way how to approve of them. And we taught it to our staff as well. And what does it mean when you approve of your guests, right? You, you know, obviously, approval is not unconditional. Most civilized people will check the boxes for approval, which is in my mind only three. You know, have to have money to pay for the drinks or food. Uh, second box is cannot be emotionally or verbally abusive to anybody on the premises and third cannot be violent right so most people check these boxes that walk through the doors of a restaurant and and if they don't then you know we have people who are trained to deal with these situations so the servers are not necessarily expected to deal with with violent and unruly guests so what they need to focus on is how to create this connection, how to find a human being, even, even in a guest that appears to be the biggest asshole you ever met in your life. You know, and how is it that we can create a connection, how we can validate it, and finally, how we, can we get grant them approval? Because think about this. Most people, most people today, don't get any approval from anybody. You know, our culture constantly tells us that we have to look this way or that way, that we have to speak this way or that way, that we have to think this way or that way, you know, that everything with us needs improvement, that we constantly need to be different than who we are. Who really approves of us the way we are?
0: Myself, I think, I would like to think I approve of myself. I think is the most important thing.
1: It's the most important thing. But <laughs> see, the, the 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 conditioning from the culture and from and and from our political and social system is so so overwhelming that people cannot even bring it to themselves to pat themselves on the back and say, Hey man, good job. And if you cannot approve of yourself the way you are. How can you approve of other people? If you cannot find, if you cannot approve of the human inside of you and the struggles that human being is going through, how can you be relating to somebody else? How can you have empathy towards the struggles and mental afflictions that other people are going through? It's pretty much impossible. So we teach our staff to first and foremost understand that it's all about emotions, that hospitality is an emotional experience, that our objective is for the guests to leave with a holy shit experience. And it has to do with them feeling treated differently than than anywhere else. And that's the secret because when you successfully do this to your guests, they remember you because emotional memory is deep. And you might be, you, your their server might be the only person in their life that really approves of them <laughs> as they are. And that's powerful. In today's day and age, when everybody's trying to make you into something different, that, ex- that expects you to be somebody else, meeting someone that tells you, yeah, man, far out, just the way you are is good for me.
0: Man, (laughs) this is awesome. I'm loving what you're giving us right now. And uh, it's everything you said is just so true. And I want to make sure I heard something right. You said approval. Uh, You started talking about first, we need to approve of ourselves. So why is that? Dive deeper into why again, that's so important and how that uh, escalates into approving of other people.
1: Well, do you remember the mantra I said um yes. In the beginning, uh, being, so
0: so say it yeah. one more time for us.
1: It is like this now. Okay, it's the contentment mantra. So I rem- uh, I start b- explaining this to people by reminding them how it feels for them to be in the zone. Because professionally, we all can relate to the emotion or the state of mind, to be more exact of being in the zone. What happens to us when we're in the zone? And when we look into this a little bit and and try to analyze this state of mind, we quite quickly we discover that the one thing that's absent is us paying attention to the constant inner dialogue that goes on in our mind. And that inner dialogue is generally concerned only about what we don't want to happen in this moment or what we would rather have happen in this moment. So we're either grasping for something we don't have or we're refusing something that we already possess. So this is constant, this constant churning of the mind that goes on in our minds when we're not in the zone. But when we're in the zone, our our focus is directed towards other people and and towards executing our job correctly. And that brings a relief. And if you cannot approve of yourself in any other way, then maybe you can relate to yourself as how you feel towards yourself when you're in the zone. And that will give you some kind of a roadmap of what it means to approve of yourself. It means stop obsessing about yourself. Can you be okay with yourself as you are right now without the boyfriend that you really want or without, you know, the the criticism that's coming your way from other people. Can you just take yourself the way you are right now and say, it's good. It is exactly as it's supposed to be. And I'm going to surf this wave tonight behind the bar on the floor or in the kitchen and rest in the understanding that everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end, that eventually I will be released from this if this is so unbearable, you know? But um, approaching your job with the idea that eventually it will be over, I don't think it's a really good idea, you know? I think it it, it puts you on a back foot. I think understanding, you know, this is not for everyone, you know? I was, I tried to be, I tried to be, embraceive of people and say, well, you, we can all learn this. Not everybody can learn to be a good server. You know, people can learn the script and execute the script. Hi, how are you? Do you have a reservation? Will it be flat or sparkling? You know, there's nothing wrong with the script. But, you know, people who are really have a genuine talent for this industry will say it in a tone that relates a welcoming emotion
0: I love it. Man. You know, I just want to re- just make sure I'm right there with you, and just share some what I took away from what you shared with us. And the biggest thing I took away is why we need to get approval of ourselves is because until we accept ourselves for who we are, we we won't make the inner dialogue about other people. If we're if we're not comfortable with ourselves, that inner dialogue is going to be about me, 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 me. How are people thinking of me, me, me? But what we need to be thinking, we need to be okay with us so we can get into that zone, which is that inner dialogue where we turn it around and make it about other people. That's, and guys, situate or emotional intelligence, they say that at the core of emotional intelligence is situational awareness, having that inner mm-hmm. dialogue and knowing what. Everybody else around you is doing and how they feel and taking care of them. It, so, did I tie this together? Did I hear you correctly? Is that what I should have gotten from what you shared from us?
1: Yeah, uh, in essence, uh, it's it's important, I think, to to understand that w- when you are when you are in the zone, you are not negative. it's kind of wearing glasses with pink colored lenses like my like south beach miami colored kind of lenses right and everything looks looks pink and rosy right to you the moment you perceive an asshole behind the bar you are now just the fact that you are labeling somebody an asshole brings up a negative state of mind the moment you are negative You have taken off your pink glasses and put on some other colored lenses and everything now looks, you're looking at the world through these lenses, through that filter. And all of a sudden you notice the barback's lazy, he or she's texting over there, the ice is not refilled, the juice, fresh juice bottles have, you know, pulp deposits on them. You know, the manager, instead instead of voiding or transferring checks, is flirting with a guest, you know, like you begin to notice everything that's wrong where a second ago before you encountered the asshole you were just cruising and surfing the wave of your night and it's important to understand that it's important to to understand the quality of you know uh, consciously forcing oneself into positivity especially like especially when you're professionally engaged because it's not a you're it's in no one's job description that you need to be a negative asshole i mean you know who wants to be around a person who's negative i mean we all worked with chefs who are angry and yelling at people mm-hmm. all the time who wants to, who enjoys being around these people nobody yeah. you know it's not really nice to be like that it's actually it's pretty crazy you know Um, And so we all enjoy being around people who are motivating us and who are letting us build on our energy. You know, uh, being negative is an energy-depleting process, and you can notice it at the end of the night how you feel. Mm. You know, it's okay to feel physically tired. We Hopefully you do because that means you worked hard, right? Mm -hmm. But it's unacceptable in my book to feel emotionally drained, and the only thing you can think about is going home to replenish your energy, you know, to, to, go and, to go and sleep. Most people, because they don't have the tools, then go into intoxicants. And then they become they, they start to numb the pain of being negative, feeling negative, by, you know, doing shots behind the bar, or doing drugs, pulling a line here and there, smoking a joint, or even going to heavier stuff. You know, medicating pain is why we go to intoxicants. Medicating pain of our own existence is why we can't take ourselves the way we are. So approving of oneself is a long journey, right? But you got to start somewhere, you know? And, and as long as you know that that's what's going on in your mind, in your heart, and begin to slowly, like, d- take a day at a time, you know? Maybe today I can make two pe- two more people happier than I did yesterday, and that's already a great deal. And, you know, maybe that's the extent that, that you can go to until you turn in, into a salty and, and, and you know, sarcastic bartender. Right? That can happen too. But, you know, have the intention to each day make at least one more person walk out of the, the premises a little bit more happier than they were when they came in. You know, make it a conscious choice. And then things slowly start to fit into place
0: just one question to take this one layer deeper how do we find the discipline to know we have to show up every day with this attitude how, how do we stay on track what's the key there
1: um the key for most people i believe is <sighs> Being hurt so much. Your heart's been broken so much. You cannot take yourself anymore the way you were, So you know, that you have, there you've got to change. You know, change doesn't come because, oh, you know, you're inspired all of a sudden, you know, to be a better person <laughs> for yourself and for the world. That, you know, not in my experience, not with, with what I've seen. What I've seen works is a big shock. You, you, you wake up to the reality of what it means to be you. And you see yourself for a brief moment objectively with eyes as other people see you. (laughs) And you sit in this pain. (laughs) And you sit in this uncomfortable place and say, well, maybe I'm not so grand. Maybe I'm not so cool. Maybe I am a liar. Maybe I am a cheater. Maybe I am this way. Maybe I am that way. And when you are able to accept this and say, yeah, okay, this is, but this is not all who I am. And then begin to divert your energy towards the other parts of yourself that are that are rooted in some in some characteristics that give you a, a, an energy inducing process, like being kind, being mm. empathetic, being being present being understanding being a good leader you know uh, then you know things things can happen but but you know y- you don't get the discipline until you get hurt badly mm. you know until you know you'll never ever do it again you know it's like it's like you know it's very similar to to getting hurt getting your heart broken because your partner you know whatever cheated on you and you know, with I don't know, and then you come back and say, Well I'll never I'll never ever be with a with a with a person like this. Now you know you'll never go down that road because you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Right? I love it. Or when yeah, something like that.
0: I got you man, I'm I'm totally picking this up and I'm loving this, by the way. I'm like, if you guys, you can't see me at home, but I'm like rocking back and forth and smiling because he's just giving us gold. This has been so valuable. Um, I want to, we just went so deep and I want to come out, come back to the surface a little bit mm-hmm. and go back to something you said earlier today, which we kind of skimmed right over. But you were on a roll, so I didn't want to stop you. Um, you came together with your current business partners at, uh, uh, it was the Provodad. Is that, did I say that correctly? Pravda, Pravda, thank you. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you're working with all these guys. you, you how did that come together? Because a, a, a lot of people who are listening right now uh, might be working in the industry. they might have their vision, their own their own personal vision of what they want to create. Mm-hmm. and you got to bring the pieces of the puzzle together and put this team together to make it happen. So what was going on in this dynamic with you and your partners and how did you bring it together and what who played what roles and what key roles did you guys need to make it happen?
1: Uh, Well, we were fortunate, you know, Jay, Jay Cosmos and myself and Igor too, to a great extent, we were, we were fortunate to be mentored by Dale DeGroff. I don't know if your listeners know who Dale is, but Dale is for bartenders, especially craft uh, bartenders. He's like master Yoda. Okay. He's like, he's like the person who brought back classic American bartending back into where it is today, you know? So you're thinking about using fresh juices in cocktails. Well, Dale brought it back. Okay. Um, Making your own simple syrups, Dale brought it back. Making your own, you know, making muddled cocktails, doing anything that you have seen coming up, crystallizing into the craft cocktail movement we are enjoying now for the last 20 years. It's all Dale's doing. So, we were he was hired as a consultant there and so he he trained us in these ancient arts and we realized that this is we 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 looked at the chefs and we saw where the food network and the chefs are going we saw where coffee is going we saw where wine is going and we figured well it's just a matter of time when spirits mm. and cocktails are going to come back to the authentic high quality experience they used to have kind of take the rightful place in gastronomy in general. And so we focused, we wanted to open the best cocktail bar in the world. So how do you do that? There's three of us, we were all in our, you know, 20s and early 30s. And um, we lived together. That was a big plus. You know, with three bartenders, single bachelors living <laughs> in New York, you can imagine <laughs> the son we had, right? Flush with cash, and you know, we we brought in Henry, who was um, who is our elder, who is at that time who is in his his, his mid fifties, who um, you know used to bartend forever in New York, and you know is a man who used to you know. Be Chaka Khan's lover and duped prince, and you know playing Purple Rain on stage at at Nels that he was managing. You know he's a legend of you know of New York life nightlife for sure. And so Henry was a a mentor to us as well, especially life in in the life area, right? So the four of us would get together and and talk after the work early, like in the early morning hours, about what is it that we want to do, and but. we knew how to run a bar. We didn't know how to open a bar. And we also knew we wanted food because drinking and eating, in our mind, is something you enjoy together. So we 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 met Billy Gilroy, our fifth partner, who used to own Match and was partners with Keith McNally in New York and, uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, and Billy brought with him the ability to raise money, talk to investors, you know negotiate leases with landlords, you know, negotiate deals with vendors, like the whole the whole thing that we did not know how to do. We knew how to tend bars and bring people in, but not we did not know how to open bars and run businesses and that's what Billy brought with himself and um, helped us with that. Now all that being said, still, you have to learn on the job, you know. That's the big thing. You yeah. can't, you can't just expect that things will, that you will stay stuck in your kind of skill set and expect that that will be like that forever. You, it's it's it, you have to learn on the job and evolve. Our craft is literally fluid, and and um, it's you need to you need to evolve with it, and grow. Otherwise, you stay stuck.
0: I just want to point out, I mean, that's huge right there that, uh, you know, you're, we always need to be learning, evolving. That's why people ask me like, Oh, like, what are you, what's your thing? Like, Like, who are you? Like, are you do you want to be a chef? Do you want to be a manager? I'm like, I'm a student. Like, I'm in this industry because I want to learn. And I know Mm -hmm. that as soon as I consider myself to be something else than a student, then the game's over. Uh, Because especially now, the industry is changing so fast. There's new we, we can learn so much. It's so competitive. You have to be on your game. You always have to be learning. Um, Yes. But the other thing I want to pull out from what you shared with us just then was the power of a mastermind. I don't know if you guys were forming a mastermind intentionally, but you knew that together you would have a better chance. And you started pulling people into your mastermind who had knowledge that you could compound off to to make up for what you didn't know. And you guys took all of your energy, all of your brain power, and put it towards one common goal to work together.
1: And he also said something very significant. He said that... When we were in our late 20s and early 30s, he said, you guys now have, and Billy was older, he was then in his early 50s, I would say, or just about to turn 50. He, he said to us, you guys now have this energy that you won't have forever. Mm. You have this energy now, and this energy is important to hard, to be harnessed right now. You won't have this energy forever. You won't be able to and, you know, the way we put employees only together was literally with our, you know, elbow grease. I mean, we raised just enough money from investors to build the place and we had we ended up even borrowing money from all kinds of people to be able to finish the project and we worked it we build it our by ourselves with the help of contractors literally we we worked the first two years every night we were there either behind the bar or on the floor and it was stressful and i'm not going to sit here and be like oh it was all amazing it was hard it was stressful you would work till four or five in the morning get home at six you know sleep till noon and then go back there and you would do the, that all over again for six days out of a week non-stop if you're not behind the bar you're on the floor you're saying hi to people i mean i was skinny i was gray i was completely you know my devoid of any energy i was just there like shoveling coal man it was really really hard but it was great also because we were able to bring people back and give them an, a reason why to camp, why because they saw with how much passion mm-hmm. and real intention we were doing this
0: now earlier you said that you wanted to be the number 1 cocktail bar in the world and you chose to do it in an amazing city where you could pull that off but you also chose to do it by focusing on employees so how mm-hmm. how did but you know how did that serve your mission of becoming the number 1 cocktail bar in the world
1: well we didn't become the number one cocktail bar in the world right away you know because by the time we opened milk and honey was already opened and they were doing things like really old school by you know sasha who has also studied you know with dale sasha god bless his soul was a great man and and a man of a man of vision and you know he wanted to bring back the class of you know serving cocktails and jiggering and pre-measuring and you know the big ice cubes and proper glassware and the whole thing where we we come from a place where you know you had to execute high quality cocktails in the shortest amount of time so we were all using free pouring technique none of us was ever jiggering there was just no time to do that you know, we would make three or four drinks at the same time. You would, you know, from the moment you would order a drink till the moment you would get a drink would be at the most, at the most a minute and a half, two minutes, you know. So for us, it was all about execution, about building the, like Sasha, for example, Milk and Honey had, they have rules of behavior of how, of the etiquette that was expected in the bar For us, that was inconceivable. It's a fucking bar. (laughs) You know, if a man wants to talk to a woman, let him. You know, like, exactly, that's exactly what I wanted to have. Like, I want people to get laid. You know, I don't want, like, everybody on their best behavior. This is not a church. This is a bar. You know, that was a lesson we got from Henry, you know. So, people used to look down on us, you know, Uh, because we weren't, embracing the new like old school thing but eventually you know we people voted us the best bar in the world uh and all that we also got the awards for the best bar team we got the best the awards for the best bar list i mean we got tons of awards uh but because people always remembered the good time they had in employees only mm. and that was the trick you know I, I can tell you, I have eaten and, and drank in the best restaurants in the world and the best bars in the world. I, can, I have in my 20 year old career, like career. But I can only really remember places where I had fun. Mm. I can't tell you how the Negroni tasted in Copenhagen. I really can't. I really, I mean, I can't. But I can tell you that there was a bar there, you know, called the Union Bar, where I had an amazing time where the where the staff was friendly, the guests were having fun, the energy was great. And that's what I remembered. And I guess that's like that with, with, with most of the people, yeah. right? Uh, it's that emotional intelligence that you speak about, that emotional memory that we kind of pull up and say, oh, I felt really good there. Yeah. I felt safe.
0: So I love what you're sharing with us, the emphasis you put, you're putting on having a good time and just creating that fun environment. So what was it about focusing on hospitality professionals, employees only that you think, I mean, I have my opinions, I have some ideas, but I don't want to put words into your your mouth or like, why did it work with employees only like focusing on employees only?
1: Because, um, that's the people who really need to, you know, these are the people who, who like other industry employees are the people who serve others all night long. Mm. And when they have the chance to be served and appreciated the way they think they should then that creates a lasting impression and really you know it's more than a loyalty kind of a guest and a, and a and a server loyalty that happens it's a friendship that begins to build i mean i cannot even begin to tell you how many friends we have around the world because they they just appreciate this they they intuitively understand what it mean, what what is it that we want to do they get it and so because they get it and they understand why we do it, because this is not what we do and how we do it. This is why we do it. You know, we, we really want to cater primarily to others, to other servers because we know how hard it is to be a server. Yeah. So we want to give them a refuge. And that's and that coupled with, you know, of course, the reality that when somebody has a good time in your place, they will tell it to others, especially their other guests. You know, like if you are a bartender somewhere and somebody asks you for a recommendation where to go and you know that Employees Only is open, you will send them there because you know that it's good there.
0: (laughs) I love what you're sharing with us and I agree with everything. But the other thing that I don't know and I might have missed it that is so amazing and just so genius about what you guys did is when people go out to a restaurant, they want to choose a restaurant that they belong in, that they are socially that's their social class. Like this is other these are other people like me. They want to be relatable to the people they're surrounding yes. themselves with. And you guys in a city like New York that's filled with a huge market of people who are yeah. hospitality professionals. You gave them that one place that they could go where they're going to surround themselves with that other people that can relate to them and who have a, an appreciation for what you were doing because you were, you were doing an incredible job. You were, you are making cocktails up there with the best in the world. Like they appreciated it and everyone could just, just be in that moment, appreciate the service, appreciate what you're doing for them and just relate And that. There's so much power there. Uh, yeah. it, it was genius. Um, but man, I, I can't believe we're already at 50 minutes and I, I don't know. How are you on time? Can you go like an hour and 15 or an hour? Sure. And okay, cool. Sure. Um, this is this is great, by the way. I'm having a blast. So So am I. Thank you. <laughs> this is so much fun. So okay. Uh let me just throw the ball on your court. We have just if, if you could just pick one more topic on business or one thing that you did, one aha moment you had that you think most contributed to your success at employees only, what would that one thing be? What would that nugget be?
1: Um Yeah. Uh what comes to mind is I had to learn to work with partners, and I think it's a great, uh, a, you know, it's a great skill set to um, be able to trust the partnership. When you think about this um, intellectually, logically, everybody who is in a partnership clearly has the best intentions for the partnership, right? Nobody enters a partnership with the idea of you know, ripping you off and, you know, screwing you. It's just that people go about them in different ways. So your moral development and your emotional development and your social development and even your intellectual development, cognitive development, might be quite different from the rest of your partners. You know, you hear from people who've been hurt with partners like, oh, don't ever partner up if you don't need to, you know, because it's, you know, if you can do it yourself, don't ever take a partner. Yeah, I know plenty of people like that. You know where they are? Stuck working their same <laughs> own, their same old bar for 20, 30 years, staying the little, the little king in the little kingdom, where I have chosen to share not only my profits, but also share the responsibility and share the workload, and also share the share uh, the success with with my team and my partners, especially. And I have be- learned to trust that group consciousness. And it took it took a while, and it was not easy, and it was very painful to be sitting there and listening to your partner saying things that you diametrically seem to be. Completely opposed to, and then having to agree to go their way instead of your way, and then see it work out, and get that aha moment, get that learning, get that that lesson for yourself, get that lesson in humility. Because you know, you 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 know, I can speak for myself. I sit behind the bar. I you know, I get all this attention. I I make all this money. I go on TV shows. I publish books. I you know I go on documentary movies. I do all that. I get all this recognition. Then I sit down, that Dushan sits down with his partners and now has to decide the right course of action for the next two or three or five years for the business. And that you know everything I've done doesn't really matter anything. You know it, it, I, I, you know you have to kind of be able to put your ego and 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 your ideas on the back burner and see what really makes the most sense for the business because you are not only responsible for yourself, you're responsible for everybody who works there, you know? And I remember we had this big fallout with the city and, you know, a lawsuit, they wanted to close us down because we didn't have the right permits and this was, was a big deal going on. And, you know, we had lawyers coming up to meet with us and I'm in the kitchen making filling up water like the bottles of water with, uh, with, with, with filtered water and I saw the dishwasher Juan and I asked him like Juan how many people do you support with the salary that you make here and he says 27 people Wow! he supports in Mexico he su- was su- he's supporting 27 people depend on him sending money every week that's incredible to Mexico, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, dude, you are not only responsible for the immediate people here who work, you're responsible for everybody that depends on them. People trust you to make the right decision. And so go out there now and sit down and, you know, don't get up until you really are 100% sure that you have made the right decision. You know, and a lot of people have a problem with that. A lot of people want their ego to be to be respected and to be acknowledged. And you know, I, I find that my ego has only, it has driven me to a great, to great heights for sure. But it also has hurt me a great deal. And you know, until I learned to be uh, somebody you can get along with, it took a while. Mm-hmm. It's not something like, you know, it's a, it's a skill set you hopefully acquire because only then you can really be a leader mm-hmm. and you can be an inspiring leader. And that's that's really important. I think a lot of people want to go into partnerships, are asking me how do I go about this, and I always say, I look at it as an opportunity rather than a hindrance, you know, an obstacle, uh, an opportunity to grow and learn from your partners, and also share everything, responsibility, uh, workload, and success as well. Another and. The, E- equally important thing is you got to lead by example. You can't demand that your staff treats your guests hospitably if you do not treat your staff hospitably first. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you're giving us gold. And I just just kind of rifle through and summarize the big takeaways for me. I mean, you got to be somebody other people want to work for. And how do you become that person? You listen to other people, you find out their situation, you care about them. um, You, you lead by example in, you know, all these things you're sharing with us, but you also went on to say, ah, you shared so much, it's hard to keep it all straight to make sense, uh, to, to, to do you justice. But you're we talking about partnerships, and uh, you, you've got to be a good partner. And you eventually, everybody over time evolves on different tracks, and people go in different directions. But you have to remember what's important to all of us so you can stay on the same track together. And in two sentences, what's the key to making sure that you don't, you know, uh, diverge too far and you, and you stay together as, you know, what's important to all of us?
1: Make sure that when you enter a partnership that you are conscious of the fact that it's going to be a while. Mm. you, Like, it's easy to get in. It's very hard to get out. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love okay. it. I love it. So, uh, real quick. What's one time you failed? Give me a quick failure and then we're going to bust out. All right.
1: All right. I failed. Okay. So this is a big one. Okay. I failed like last year uh, and, 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 and I don't necessarily think I failed. I, I failed in uh, assessing the situation and dealing with it uh, in a proper way. Uh, Basically um, we were always accused to um, for years to not to uh, be an equal opportunity employer okay. because we had no no females no women w- working behind the bar, and the truth the fact is that that's not actually the case. We were always open, but we we kind of put this apprenticeship program at employees only, which is um, in place, which is kind of a work and study program where you start as a stalker as a stage, if you will. And, you, you know, you spend a few months with us. We see you on work, on busy shifts, how you're hauling ice and glasses and, you know, running to liquor rooms and squeezing juice and whatever else. And if you're persistent and on time and, you know, everything that we like to see, then we promote you into an apprentice. And then you become an apprentice, which is, you know, you can think of it as a bar back, Right. But this is more than just a bar back. This is you are hired as an apprentice with the understanding that one day you will be promoted into a bartender and down the road into a principal bartender. So each stage of that development lasts for a certain amount of time. And it's not true that we didn't have women apply. We had women apply and they started. But most of them, after a few months of apprenticeship apprenticing with us, would get another offer from somewhere where they could already be a bartender and make that money. And they would just come to me and say, well, Dushan, I'm sorry, I got to go. And I would understand that. So none of them really stuck around. We have one now in New York that is committed to stay. We have in uh, Employees Only Miami, we have two lady bartenders um, that are on staff. We have uh, one lady apprentice in Singapore right now. But, you know, but... When the Singapore location was about to open, we put out an ad. Um, my partners there put an, out an ad. They were looking for a few, uh, saying not just the boys' club anymore. And they were looking for female servers. Culturally, Singapore, very hard to find diversity to, be, to begin with. Yeah. And we couldn't get any women to apply for any job there because culturally that's not so easy. So that Facebook post created a great deal of excitement by the female bartending community, uh, you know, attacking one of my partners there, Steve Schneider. And um, I felt that it's my, Uh, job to say something and I because I found it to be completely ridiculous I told them and completely I I, I failed by understanding that their concern was about very real existence of sexism in our industry Mm -hmm. I completely glanced over that I glanced over their concerns I misunderstood them as a personal attack on us and our company and I told them all to go and get therapy. You know, and it's it's you know it happened and you know I learned a great deal from it. You know, I suffered a lot because of that one little post. I got crucified uh publicly you know there was there was a witch hunt going on people wanted to boycott our liquor company, the 86 company, people wanted to boycott um, employees only, I had to publicly step down from 86th company, I had to apologize, which was all really honestly meant, and I really am sorry that that, uh, that it got to this. Yeah. Certainly, I'm not a sexist, certainly I'm not you know somebody who uh, supports those kind of worldviews, but this is an example of how you can fail, because with so much exposure today, there is a responsibility, and responsible people expect people like uh, that are in, in a position like I am to uh, champion the right causes. And I have made a mistake of, you know, taking their attacks to be personal and not looking at the issue at large. Mm. And, you know, that was my failure. Yeah. And so you always learn. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I did read a few of the articles that were out there and I was curious if this was going to come up. And the way I interpreted and, I, and what was going through my mind is exactly what you shared with us. If I could have made any uh, projection or pro- if I could have projected what you're going to say, I mean, it seems like you let your emotions get the best of you. And yeah. when that happens, it, it blinds you. You think. You do things irrationally, and it can get you in trouble. And we all know you're an amazing guy because here's what happened afterwards. You had all these people coming out of the word work championing you, saying, this is an incredible man. Uh, you don't even know who he is, and you're slandering his name and doing all this stuff. Like, you made a mistake, and that's what can happen today with the ability to, to just – Every little thing you do, especially online, can be blown up. So you really have to be careful what you put out there. Um, Absolutely. And you know, but at the, at the same time, it's, it's a
1: different of, world. Yeah, it's but, a very different world. And so you know, and it's a good world. I think it's a great world. I think, I think uh, the you know w- the responsibility we all have transcends only ourselves and our guests and our teams. It it kind of you become. You become a voice for the industry, and the industry needs uh, needs proper development on all levels—not only craft and skill-wise, but also emotional, cognitive, moral, so intersocial, like all that stuff. We need, we need, like. You know, I was for years. I was involved in health and wellness in our industry, uh, trying to bring awareness to the fact that we are normalizing excessive intoxicant uh, intake, and that I'm saying, like, look, we're normalizing this. This is not. This is not all right. You can't. Exp- like, in your 20s, your liver works really well. Your early thirties, you're still there, but the moment you transition in your like late thirties, early forties, you understand that not every hangover is the same, and then you begin to like, you know, there is consequences. You know, we we have, you know, we have championed uh, behaviors that are not. That are in the long run not beneficial for the industry. So you know, of course, we need to be more more mindful. Of course, we have to be more careful with each other. And if we are about to approve of our guests as the root cause for success, then we also have to approve of each other in the industry. And you know, I I I forgot my own lesson because I got my emotions to take to get the better of me. You know, and then but that, we're
0: all human. That yeah, uh, yeah. and that's
1: and that happens and it's important to to live through this and not to obsess about well you know i'm so dumb what happened how could i let this happen like take this experience for what it's there to teach you and see what you can do to make sure that that people learn their lessons from this and not never again you know, uh, uh, make such a dumb mistake because yep. it's, it's not necessary.
0: Great lesson. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn that never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month. And as a restaurant's unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurants slash unstoppable we are back the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success
1: (laughs) Um, w- well, look, there is, uh, I have to get a question right back at you. Uh, what do you really mean? Is it as a bartender, as a business owner, as a man, as a husband, as a father? Like, what do you mean really?
0: You know, let's talk about as a, as a, as a man. Cause I think at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. who we are, uh, that makes, that makes us into the professional. So as a man, what's mm-hmm. your factor?
1: You know, For me, the it factor is to at least once a day consciously find, you know, recognize a jewel that was given to me, Mm. okay? Now, that jewel could be a smell of a blossoming linden tree or it could be, you know, a little puppy just being really cool or my wife being really kind and polite or my kids, you know, just throwing themselves at me or anything that kind of touches you deep, and you would choose to consciously recognize it, I think, is um, important because you, for that brief moment in the day, you are reminded of why you are here on this planet. Mm. And for me, that's very important awesome. because I can I get strength from that.
0: I love it. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Uh, uh, oh man, I, uh, cigarettes, um, <laughs> my addictive behavior. Like I, I, am not, I'm, I'm a non-smoker now, but I, I, I think about cigarettes every day. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just like the, um, the, my biggest weakness is nicotine addiction. <laughs> so I would say, <laughs> uh,
0: what is one piece of advice for leading others?
1: Gotta do what you say you will do gotta do what you say you will do
0: what is one question or thing you look for when you're trying to expand your team or find new people to work for you
1: uh what is it that i'm looking for
0: yeah what's one question you ask or one quality you look for when looking for new people
1: i get them through different scenarios (laughs) i ask them how they would behave in uh you know uh Optimum circumstances and stressful circumstances then I try to intuitively feel how they radiate Mm -hmm. What pushes their buttons? I need them to understand that to to have at least a little bit of an understanding what pushes their buttons Because again, this is not for everybody. This industry is not for everyone Mm
0: -hmm. What is a current challenge and how are you overcoming it?
1: Oh, current challenge is for me to um, put together different, uh, employees only, um, stores around the world, <laughs> you know, we have, um, a few projects, one going on in Europe right now, one going on, uh, hopefully in LA one going in Chicago and hopefully, and then there is possible one for next year in Australia as well. So, you know, for me, this is the biggest cha- challenges right now to kind of get myself organized to oversee this expansion and the brand building
0: and how are you dealing with it
1: step by step (laughs) you know step by step you know have confidence that things always fall in place the way they're supposed to fall in place and you know always take a deep breath and you know small steps small steps
0: what is one thing besides food or in your case drink that you do exceptionally well that separates you from other restaurants
1: I am excited like a little boy when I get to make you a cocktail that I know you like. All right. So it's, I am like my, I have this ability to get enthusiastic, overly enthusiastic, if you will, if you're sitting across from me and you want, like, let's say you want a Manhattan and you say like, I really feel like I want to have a Manhattan and I will just turn on this enthusiasm and make sure, like, I'm in that moment, I'm making this drink as if you are the closest person to me in my life. I love it. I'm making it for you.
0: Beautiful stuff. And if there is one book you can recommend that would make us a better person or business owner, what would that book be?
1: Setting the Table by Danny Myers, I would say is for sure professionally something I would, I, I have all my staff read it. I think it's, it's really important because Danny shares his hospitality philosophy. Again, this is about hospitality. It's about emotions. So, uh, you know, the script is, it's not about the script <laughs> the script has been written, you know, decades ago, uh, so that's a book that I would recommend uh, very uh, much to people who are uh, trying to make it in our industry. And then um, for, 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 and I can only speak for men, okay? I would recommend The um, Way of Superior Men. Uh, the author is, I always forget because I'm a foreigner. Um, it's David Data. Um, this is the book. It's called "The Way of Superior Man," and um, it is basically two pages chapter uh, exp- expanding on an idea. And it helped me a great deal. I go back to this book every day. I read one 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 idea, and I move on from there. So,
0: and if there is one technology that you're leveraging in your restaurant that's made you more profitable and more, you know, improved communication. Uh, just in general, has improved your operation. What would that technology be?
1: Um, I'm the wrong person to <laughs> ask that question. Uh, you know, that's the the beauty of having partners. I don't really deal with that. Uh, I am more on the creative side. Got you. So you know, Dropbox is my extent of technology. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a great tool, though. And not enough of us, you know, take advantage of yeah. leveraging the cloud and cloud cloud-based storage and be right. able to draw from those files from anywhere by our phone or tablet yes. or whatever. So a great piece of uh, you know technology there to recommend. And If there's just one piece of device, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would that device be?
1: Save money. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: And Can you think of anything I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview?
1: No, I think... I think you have you have covered a lot of, and thank you for actually really wanting to speak about these these issues. I I believe that not many people, you know, want to dig deep uh, and identify the real causes of success. I think a lot of people think that you know by by learning how and what to do, you're already there. But I I would I would always argue that without knowing why you're doing things, you're only halfway there. You're only halfway there. Awesome.
0: You've been incredible. Um, at the end of every episode, we call somebody else. So who's one independent restaurant operator that you admire and think would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today. And that's how I found you because of Bobby Byrne. So let's keep it going.
1: Yeah. So I would highly recommend Ian Griffiths and Ryan Chetavaria from London, England, the owners of white lion and dandelion. They're extremely innovative. They have, uh, some of the best cocktail programs I've ever encountered. But what really sets them apart is their, um, their enthusiasm about um, the environment and uh, recycling and basically being green and, re- and reusing everything that you, you know, every single piece of produce and fruit and, and everything else that comes into your bar, they are reusing it very creatively to uh, have basically zero waste wow. uh in their restaurant so i think it's a great a new approach something people should be aware of and especially in our culture culture i think it, it speaks volume to have people like that
0: beautiful ian and ryan look out guys i'm coming after you i'd love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know if we want to learn more about you if we want to connect if maybe come join your team and apprentice under you what's the best way to connect
1: uh, just look me up on Facebook and send me a message, and then you know we'll we'll connect from there.
0: Beautiful. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable, Dushan. Thank you so much for joining us today. You were c- really incredible,
1: Eric. Thank you. Uh,
0: cheers. Yes, that. Is the next level shit I'm talking about, Dushan? Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your your thoughts, the way you view the world. I think I can safely say we are all better after listening to listening to you. And just to kind of really just put emphasis on the big takeaway for me today is, we as humans are always looking for. Approval from others. Uh, we are social beings. Not everybody, but the majority of us are looking for approval from others because we need each other to survive. It's it's encoded within us. We are we as hope, Homo sapiens, we need each other. We just do. We we can't get over that that desire to be approved by others. But before we look to seek approval from others, we need to seek approval from ourselves. And I think that's just a real deep lesson in why. Because before we can really care about others and focus our, our attention outward, we need to get out of our own head. We need to accept who we are and be in the moment and, and live now. And know that we, we can't control everything that's happening around us. We we can't control how everyone feels about us. But what we can do is get out of our own head, get in the zone, like Dushin says, and make it about you. Make it about focusing on your needs, the people around me, everyone but me. And when you make your life about serving others and making other people happy, you'll find that that's the best way to gain their approval, is to to care about them. And that lesson alone, just getting out of your own head, not making it about you and making it about other people is like the biggest aha moment I've had doing these interviews and that's just a great way how he explained it how to how he just spelled it out for us to get out of your head focus on other people get in the zone I mean that was just awesome and then there was just great advice in this episode about partners I feel that there's a lot of tension around the idea of partnerships because we're afraid of getting burnt or whatever and you've you've heard the horror stories but is are you know do these partnerships not work because of the other people? Or do the partnerships not work because the person who's telling you how bad the experience was maybe wasn't the best partner? Or maybe they they rushed into the partnership. A lesson from Dave Query. Only partner with people that you're willing to marry because you're going to be married to them in business. And, uh, you know, have that filter. Uh, be selective on who you partner with be selective think about the, 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 what they're going to bring to the table and how they they uh compliment you and your strengths and then communicate like it says and, and and make sure everybody is going in the same direction uh beautiful stuff in today's episode thank you again dushan uh like always guys Please do connect with me. You can find me on Snapchat, Eric Cacciatore, Instagram, Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable, and shoot me those emails, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you can think of somebody I can get on the show, if you have any recommendations on topics we can cover, or... Any reason you can think of, any reason why you want to connect with me, shoot me that email or connect with me on social media. And then also those one-on-one chats, guys. I love connecting with my guests. I love working through your problems. I love hearing where the pain points are so I can redirect my focus to get somebody on the show that can help us all grow together. But you got to set up those one-on-one chats. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one to make it happen. I can't make it happen. You have to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, uh, this was a good one, guys. Uh, the best way uh, you can compliment me and th- what I'm trying to do with this podcast and say thank you is by sharing it. Uh, please share this resource with anybody who's passionate about the hospitality industry, who has what it takes, but just needs a little bit more knowledge. Uh, if we lean on each other, guys, if we make this podcast about us, not me, not you, about about us, the industry, and moving the industry forward and lifting the industry up, and if we share knowledge, guys, then work together, we can do beautiful things, but you have to share. Um, Just like our guests are sharing their knowledge with us, take this resource and share it with other people that can benefit from it. And uh, hopefully we can just keep going deeper and deeper in finding more incredible people and uh, moving this thing forward. So uh, if you've been listening this long, thanks for sticking around. I love you guys all so much. Stay unstoppable. Until next time, peace out.